Welcome to Global Outpouring. This is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. And we're your hosts for this podcast. Today we're going to be discussing a wonderful vision that the Lord gave to me some years ago that gives us a glimpse into what God wants to do in His body of believers that will step out and obey Him in these days of His great outpouring that He promised in Joel 2.28. So stay tuned. Joel 2.28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. We are praying and contending for this outpouring, and we want to see God do the thing that He says He's going to do. It's kind of like when Elijah prophesied after he had slaughtered all the prophets of Baal, and God had proven Himself to be the real God. You know, Jehovah is is the Lord. He is the God. This Baal stuff doesn't work. And he slaughtered all the prophets of Baal. And then he prophesies that God is going to pour out a rain. And then what did he do? He went to pray. Yeah. And he prayed it through. Yeah. How many times did he pray? I think it was seven times. Yeah. Yeah. And every time he would send his, his messenger out there, his uh, his servant, he was sending him out to check and see, is there any evidence? And there was nothing. Until the seventh time. And a cloud the size of a man's hand. And it was just enough to give him the faith to tell Ahab, run for it, make <laughs> go for it, hitch up your chariot and run, because there's a huge rain coming. And there was. Yeah. But it's because he prayed through what he had prophesied. Yeah. Same thing happened for Daniel that uh, when he had been, he was an old man by this time, and he saw that it had been 70 years that they'd been in captivity. And he was reading from the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah's words were that, that there would be 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And so he went to fasting and praying and repenting on behalf of his people for the sins, even though he was probably the most righteous of yeah. them all. And he prayed through for the release of the children of Israel from yeah. Babylonian captivity. Yeah, and in every revival, there is someone that has prayed through for that, or a group of people. And, and, and you don't always see them. True. You don't see, when, a, when there's a move of God, and it's, it's in churches and that, all you see is what's on the platform. You see the pastor, there might be one instrument that God is using to spearhead the revival. The revival may just be in that church. It may be affecting a whole city. It can affect a whole nation. But many times you do not see the groundwork that was laid for that move of God to happen. It was like Charles Finney. When he was coming into town, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit would start falling even when he was miles out. It's true. And uh, and uh, yeah, I've read his autobiography, you know, Finney, and a tremendous book on, on revival. And, you know, it's like a day-to-day account almost of what it was like. And he would come to a city, but he wouldn't just, he wouldn't come in, blow in, blow up, and blow out. He That's was right. there. He would stay till revival come, even if it took a year, a year and a half. But what I didn't know was in another book is he had an intercessor. Yes, Father Nash. Father Nash. And he was the one that was praying 
praying through, you know, he he had a hotline to heaven. That's right. The intercessors have a hotline to heaven, and but but they don't get any credit this side of eternity. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, it'll be mentioned in a book. I this was my intercessor. This person was praying for me, but there are those that have no recognition, and they're the ones that will have the great rewards. Yeah, that's true. You know that that we don't see, but behind every move of God, there are those that are praying through fasting for God to move. And, and we know in this next big move that is going to happen, that there there are many people praying, many people fasting. There's tribulation all over the earth. There's persecution in many nations. And, and it's like in the scripture in Revelation, how long, Lord, how long, how long? And we are earnestly waiting you know, for, for this, this next move of God. And, and it's what all the prophets were waiting for, that this is the day they're looking for, this season, this time, this Kairos time, yeah. when everything is just kind of wrapping up and, and in the kingdom of God being made manifest. And we are here to be a part of it. Amen. And we're here to pray it through. Amen. And and the other the other parts that we're that we're dedicated to is equipping people for this outpouring and to engage in the outpouring as it's happening. And there's there's outpourings happening everywhere. We yes. are hearing lots of things for many years of of outpourings here and there and here and there, revivals here and there, but there's coming a great worldwide revival. And the Lord gave me a vision a number of years ago. We were on a ministry trip to Argentina, and we I was just having a casual conversation with one of the sisters on the group and she was telling me about an acquaintance of hers that had come into the charismatic move and come into the things of the Holy Spirit. And she decided that she wanted to go back to her denominational church because it was predictable. And she didn't like the idea of not being able to know what's the next thing that's going to happen. Because the Holy Spirit was, you know, the Holy Spirit, when you give the Holy Spirit an opportunity, he's going to do things that we don't expect. And so... I, I was pondering that and remembering the people that I've seen through the years that have said yes to God, and they've said yes to God, and then at some point, God asks them to do something, and they say, no, I don't want to go there. And they get stuck. They get stuck at that point, and they, they um, you know, they're just only going to go that far and no farther, and that's where they are for the rest of their life unless God, you know, helps them get a breakthrough. So, you know, these are the kind of people that, that are sort of like the children of Israel that wandered for 40 years in the wilderness because they couldn't get with the move of the Holy Spirit, that God was trying to take them in right away. Even though they saw the glory of God. They, yeah, they saw did. Mount Sinai. They saw the fire, yeah. the lightnings, the thunder. They heard the trumpets, yeah. the shofars blowing. You would think an experience like that, and they were scared. They were afraid. Yeah. But then they had a fear of God at that moment. Right. But when circumstances came in the way, like we need water, you know, rather be by the Nile and have our, our leeks and our onions, you know, that, uh, that, that's when a rebellion arose in them yeah. it, because they, they, it, this, they forgot the experience. They forgot the Red Sea. Yeah, can, can you, you imagine? imagine walking through the Red Sea? I don't know how high the water was at that spot they went through, but looking on the left and looking on the right, 
and the water is however many feet high and you're going through on dry ground. Right. Yeah, you know, and and the path was made for you and then watching the Red Sea close behind you. Really? How many miracles does it take, you know, for you to see God is alive, he is real. Yeah. And many times a, a move that's why a move of God will come. But if you don't stay plugged into the Holy Spirit and just keep pressing into him, then he you will it'll you'll turn cold eventually. Yeah. You dry up to, and blow away. You have to keep persevering. Persevering. That's true. That's true. So I I have had a burden for many years about these people that have said no to God. But I felt like the you know, especially the, the ones that have out and out backslidden. Hmm. But what I'm seeing and what I've been seeing for years is that the move that's coming is going to be so intense and so fast and so big that it's going to require all hands on deck, yeah. including those that have been sidelined by the enemy. They've, they were talked into um, compromising in some way. And so as I was, as I was pondering this uh, at, with this discussion with my friend, um, I was, I was, uh, I was taken into a vision, and I saw a uh, an atomic cloud, a, a, like a, the the mushroom cloud from an atomic explosion. And I was reminded that I'd been told that there were people who were at that ground zero area that the expression that was used then was they were vaporized. And that, that their, their shadow was actually left in the pavement and in the walls of, uh, you know, depending on where they were and the angle of, of where, where they were in relation to the, to the bomb blasts in, in, uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, that they were, that they were vaporized. Well, now people uh, have, have decided that it's not possible for a human being to be vaporized, even though we're mostly water. Uh, but they, they say that, that um, they must have been incinerated. Okay, whatever. They disappeared into ashes or into no, almost into nothing. nothing. Yeah. And they, they were lost in, in the ashes of the fire that burned there. But there's sh their shadows are still there. So uh, I, I saw this mushroom cloud. And then the Lord began to speak to me. So I excused myself from my friend. And I went and got my journal and began to write. And this is what I wrote from the Lord. I believe it was from the Lord. We are at ground zero of an atomic explosion of God's mighty, heretofore unseen power. All the known and expected of God's power, including all the miracles of the Bible, like the parting of the Red Sea, the sun standing still in the valley of Ayalon, the creative miracles of the Gospels and the Book of Acts, will be like the commonly known atoms before they are split to release the energy of the atomic bomb. When that explosion takes place, everything at ground zero, everything normal, will be vaporized and a pillar of the expected-slash-known-slash-biblical miracles will billow or shoot upward. But then a splitting of those known atoms will occur, releasing the unknown power of God to form the top of the mushroom cloud, billowing out above the pillar of the known, to reach far beyond the known, into the reaches of the domain seen by Ezekiel, Daniel, and John the Revelator, 
into that which Paul described as unlawful or impossible to be uttered in 2 Corinthians 12, 2-4. Those who will cling only to the normal-slash-predictable will be vaporized and disappear from the scene. And I feel like I'm just per- putting a parenthesis in here. I feel like this is spiritually, not, not necessarily physically. Yeah. But their 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 ministry is going to be, you know, just they'll disappear from the scene. Those who will lay aside this is cool. Those who will lay aside their need to control and will yield to God will reach into this explosion of God's glory and be catapulted into miracle ministry. And those who will be willing to let God shatter and smash their preconceived understanding of God will be changed into the image of the resurrected Christ. They will receive their glorified bodies with their anatomical structure rearranged at the atomic or molecular level, restoring the power of God to each atom. They will come and go like the wind, and pass through walls like Jesus in his glorified body. These will be used in the power and demonstration of God's unknown power to be vessels of miracles heretofore unknown. This power goes beyond reason. This place is for those who will go beyond the fear of death and die that they might live. Those that will submit to the grace of God to pass through total weakness and dependency upon God, to allow the strength of God to be perfected or fulfilled within. So that's that's what the Lord spoke to me. And then, um, you know, I, I remembered, I guess I probably uh, did some digging after that, and, and I looked into Luke chapter 5. Philip, you want to just read some of that story or tell the story? Well, this is the story about the the, the man that was was uh, on the stretcher, and uh, there was such a big crowd in the house that they could not get into to be where Jesus was. You know, that's what you want to do whenever you're in a meeting. You want to get up to the front row when you know the power of God's moving. Yeah. And so they did the the unheard of. They, you know, and I don't know what the construction of roofs were like back then, but they proceeded to take apart the top of the roof right above and I'm sure things were falling down to <laughs> straw and mud maybe and all that and they lowered him down because their faith was so strong that they, they knew if they could just get him right there where Jesus was that God would heal him can you think of doing something like that for somebody to if you went into a church what would you do to get up to the front row you wow. know, in order to get your stretcher your wheelchair up there but they just had chutzpah. Yeah, that's what they it was. They had chutzpah, and they <laughs> and they used it, and they opened the opened the roof up, and and they just and they just lowered him down, and uh, and of course you have the scribes and the Pharisees that are all there too, and they're watching everything happen, and and so what happens? He's lowered down in the stretch in the stretcher through the tiles into the midst in front of Jesus, and this is from the Amplified version, and when he saw. Their confidence in him springing from their faith. He says, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason and question, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God? But Jesus, knowing their thoughts and questionings, answered them, why do you question in your hearts? What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or say, arise and walk. 
but that you may know the Son of Man has the authority and right on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, arise, just pick up your bed and go to your own house. And instantly the man stood up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went away to his house, recognizing and praising and thanking God. Hallelujah. And overwhelming astonishment and ecstasy seized them all, and they recognized and praised and thanked God, and they were filled with and controlled by reverential fear and kept saying, We have seen wonderful and strange and incredible and unthinkable things today. You know, and when looking at the word, you know, reverential fear, you know, it's just when, when you're in a meeting, when the Holy Spirit is moving, it's just like you're just so tuned to, it's like you put everything else out of your mind. You're just locking in the presence of God is there. And what's going to happen next? Yeah. What is going to happen next? And and we know in this next move of God, because the Holy Spirit is is unpredictable. Yes. And just when you think we think we have him all figured out, mm-hmm. something happens and right. he does something different or he can just take it in another direction. That's right. And that word that I appreciate the the um, amplified going into the details where it says we've seen what does it say? We have seen strange things. We've seen we've seen wonderful and strange and incredible and unthinkable things today. Yes. So that word in the Greek is paradoxos. It's uh, Strong's number 3861, in case you want to go look it up. And it it means, according to um, this Hebrew-Greek key study Bible in the lexical aids in the back of it by Spiros Oliades, it means uh, to go beyond expectation or to go beyond opinion. Something beyond one's expectation, a miracle. Uh, it, in in Luke five twenty six, which is what Philip just read, it was used to express new things, miracles not hitherto seen, and thus beside and beyond all opinion and expectation of men. And so, you know, nobody they they were seeing Jesus doing miracles all the time. They were seeing him doing healings, but they had never heard of any man saying your sins are forgiven you, and that was beyond their beyond their expectation, beyond their opinion. And Jesus made it very plain. If if it's not, which, which is harder to say, you know, get, get up and walk or to say your sins be forgiven you. But he was proving that he had the authority for that. So this is, this is the kind of miracle that I believe God wants to do is something that's unexpected. This is the only place in the scripture that that word paradoxos is used. So Jesus promised his disciples in John 14, 12, that they were going to do greater works. He said, the, these same, these works that I do shall you do and greater works. And this word greater, uh, can mean, it can mean greater or more numerous in quantity, or it can be used of intensity and degrees. And so I think probably it, it could mean both, both of those things. But I think more so it can mean things that Jesus didn't do that are greater than what Jesus did, which that already kind of goes beyond our heads. You know, we would think that Jesus would do the greatest works. But John, at the end of his gospel, uh, in, in John twenty one twenty five, he said, um, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, 
which, if they were written by one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Mm-hmm. So, go ahead. But when you when you read the Gospels, and then if you go through like you go through all through Matthew or Mark, Luke, and John, and you're covering three years of his known ministry in those chapters. Yeah. And so there is so much more we don't know. If Jesus was doing miracles every day, probably everywhere he went, something was happening. Right. So you take every day, 365 days times those three years, you know, and there's just so many things happening, but we only have recognition of what is in the in the Gospels, not knowing of all the other things that Jesus has done. And I think we would be surprised you know, yeah. when when we know when we would know the rest of the story, right? <laughs> so we see that that in the book of Acts, when the disciples began to uh, operate under the power of the Holy Spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost, um, you know, there's there's no record of Jesus' shadow healing anyone, but we have a record of Peter's shadow healing somebody, healing people. They lined people up in the streets so that his shadow yeah. could go could go past them and, and heal them. They'd be healed. And and we don't have any any record of um of Jesus sending handkerchiefs or aprons to people so that they could be healed. But that happened in Paul's ministry. Yeah. They were led by the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's it. And the Holy Spirit did stuff. And sometimes it may not be the the speaker, the one that God is using and and might and power that has the revelation to, you know, uh, for something new. I want to share a story. This was in an R.R. Shambach. R.W. R.W. Shambach. Sorry about that. And uh, this lady went up to him before he ministered and says, I have a sister that's in the insane asylum. I can't get to visit her hardly. And, and she's just very, very well locked down. And uh, But I can bring her candy. And would you take this uh, package of M&Ms, put them in your pocket, and just minister and, you know, go through the service and preach and give them back to me at the end? And he was kind of puzzled by that. He says, well, okay, I'll do that. So he did that. He put the package of M&Ms in his coat pocket and did the service. And after the service, he, the lady came up and got them. And it was about two months later, I believe it was that uh, this lady came up with someone with her and says, I want to introduce you to my sister. She is the one that I gave that package of M&Ms to that you had in your pocket. And when she ate the M&Ms, she became into her right mind. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I mean, that was, and that was not something that um, R.W. Schambach thought of. You know, that was, this was some, it was a revelation given to some, to someone out there because they had the faith for it. Exactly. It's like the woman with the, you know, if I could just get the the hem or the, you know, the fringe of his garment, you know, going through the crowd, pressing through everything to do that, I'll be healed. You know, no one else told her to do that. That was her personal revelation. Yes. Amen. Absolutely. So on the day of Pentecost in in Acts chapter 2, um, we see that Peter was referring to that prophecy that I that I read earlier from from Joel, and in that prophecy it, where it, where he's quoting it, it's it's quoted from the Greek Septuagint, which was the translation of the Bible that was being used in that day among educated people, and and it, it's interesting how it says God says I will pour out of the Spirit of me, 
Isn't that yeah. beautiful? I yeah. love that. But uh, as as I was waiting on the Lord uh, a few months ago, the Lord spoke to me that He was that He wanted us to align ourselves, our hearts, our minds, our emotions, our expectations with His. He said the day of Pentecost was just the beginning. What took place there was the seed of the dream I have, my ultimate intention. The book of Acts was the microcosm of the all-flesh outpouring I'm about to do. When you focus on me and my plan, the details will fall into place as I lead you. The results will be beyond your imagination. It will be like the book of Acts on steroids. But don't focus on the results. Focus on me. So that's what we want to do. Just in closing, I want to talk about um, Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 64, 4, and what Paul says about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the first verse. Okay. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you might come down, that the mountains might quake and flow down at your presence. As when fire kindles the brushwood and the fire causes the waters to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did terrible things which we did not expect. There you go. Which we did not expect. Yes. (laughs) You came down the mountains quite at your presence. For from of old no one has heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen a God beside you, who works and shows himself active on behalf of him who waits for him. Beautiful. So then Paul quotes that scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And, uh, and starting with verse nine, um, he says, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And I think it's interesting how in, in the old Testament, it says for those that wait for him. him. And, and in the new Testament, it says for those that love him. And you can see how waiting on him and loving him really, they look the same in action. This is the the key part here. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. This is the part that that Paul adds. God has revealed those things. The eye has not seen nor ear heard. It hasn't entered into our heads or our hearts. God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Those things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And I just want to close with this scripture in Proverbs 25 too. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. And when God wants us to be these these priests and kings in these days, where we have gotten so connected to his heart, that, that we've just let go of our own ways and our own choices, that, that we just choose him. We want his way. We want to be with like Jesus in the garden where he said, not my will, but yours be done. And that's the kind of vessel that God can use in these days as we surrender to him. 
he's going to do amazing things as he pours out his spirit. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the good news of God's global outpouring. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, connect with us, get a link to our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. You can browse our online bookstore for amazing anointed material. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence. Thank you.